This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Christmas comes but once a year, but Christmas music? That seems to come earlier and earlier each year. Some classics like Brenda Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree have stood the test of time, becoming hits all over again decades later. Rockin' around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. But the world of Christmas songs isn't always good times and cheer. For decades, Christmas songs in America have reflected the country's mood. Some can be downright sobering, like Nat King Cole's version of The Little Boy That Santa Claus Forgot. In the street he envies all those lucky boys Then wanders home to last year's broken toys That's one of many versions of that song. It seems like every year artists take a stab at creating the next Christmas classic. Cher debuted her take on a Christmas album this year. Meanwhile, Mariah Carey hit the road with her Merry Christmas one and all tour. Well, we finally made it to the last show. We're at Madison Square Garden. Can't believe it's the last show. Excitement. Merry Christmas, New York. So what makes a great Christmas song? And why do so many artists feel compelled to write and record them? We'll get into it after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Stay with us. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at betterhelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. First, we want to start our show about Christmas music with a Christmas music documentary. If you can have a Christmas hit, 
a seasonal hit, uh, it's better than simply having a hit of a popular love song, let's say, because you've got something that becomes recurrent, something that becomes cyclical, that year after year can become a revenue generator in, in the form of royalties. You know, you put them out every year and you would sell, you know, 25, 35,000 at least over the, over the holidays every year. There were still people out there that were thinking about, I'm gonna write a Christmas song, you know, and, and, and a record company that would say, I'm gonna record that Christmas song. Is it White Christmas still the best-selling single of all time? I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger was number two. So the two most largest-selling um, singles in America have been Christmas records. The film Jingle Bell Rocks turns 10 this year. In it, filmmaker and avid Christmas music collector Mitchell Kezen guides viewers through the underground world of Christmas music collection. One A producer, Barb Anguiano, spoke with Kezen about his love for the genre. Why did you want to create a film like Jingle Bell Rocks? Well, I was uh, desperately looking for a project that I could really be passionate about. I wanted to, I, I love music doc- documentaries, and um, I, I make an annual journey every year to Hot Docs. It's a big film and, and industry um, event in Toronto for documentary filmmakers. And I was struggling trying to find a project. When Christmas came around that year, I made uh, my annual, it's called Mitchell's Merry Mix, which is a compilation of the coolest, weirdest Christmas songs I've found through the year that I put together into a little audio Christmas card. And I happened to give that to a a producer friend in in town here. And uh, I saw him before Christmas, then I saw him after the new year, and he said, Mitchell, thanks so much for for that tape. Back then it was cassette tapes. Uh, his name was Step. His Step is like, man, it was so cool. I took that tape to all the kinds of parties I went to, and people really dug the music. And and it just, it just, he basically said it saved my holiday. I, I, at that point, I had been doing this for about seven years, every year, making this annual compilation. And I said, it's funny you should say that, Step, because I really think there's a movie here. At the time, I was going to make it just about collectors. It was going to be a much different film than what you've seen and what I ended up making. That's, that's where it grew from, by that little initial spark. Does it still resonate pretty well today? It, gets, it resonates more and more every single year. It's astonishing to me. I get people writing me about how, how much they love the film, and it's become an annual ritual for them. Every Christmas, they watch it. It's, it's becoming that cult music doc classic that I was hoping for is the most satisfying, astonishing thing for a filmmaker to have this kind of a, uh, a response from, from folks who've watched the movie and have become friends and, and, and acquaintances. And we're all part of this little Christmas club and it's wonderful. And it sort of helps me get through the holidays as much as it helps them. In the movie, uh, you talk about how much you love Christmas music and you love collecting it. And it opens up with you rummaging through albums. But then you mentioned that you never talked about Christmas music with anyone. Why Why didn't you like talking about your love for Christmas music? W- were you ashamed of it? Was there a shame associated yeah, it, with it? There was, a lot of, there was a lot of shame. It seemed really corny because people had a knee, knee jerk. When, it, when, it, when I would share it with a few people uh, who didn't know me well and who hadn't, 
received my my annual Christmas compilation in the, in, as a gift. They, it's, it's really hard to convey what what what's motivating me and what's motivating the other collectors. At the time, I just found it really embarrassing until I finally decided, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm making this movie. I got to step right out, step into this, go, go, go as deep as I possibly can. And, and, and who cares what other people think? But a, a strange thing happened, started to happen as I began pitching the film and talking to people. And I found in talking to other people privately, sort of in hushed tones, they, they would also acknowledge how much they love Christmas music. And they would say, and I would ask them, tell me, you know, is, is there one song that, that is really, really important to you in the holiday? And every single person said yes. And they told me the story behind the song that, that matters the most to them. It gave me strength to say, okay, I think I'm onto something then. If people are this passionate and they're telling me all these things about how much... Um, a song is, is is impacts their own holiday experience. Um, I thought this 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 has some really wonderful emotional uh, richness, and uh, that's what I tried to convey in, in the in the movie. What makes a good Christmas song for you? Simple. It has to have heart. It has to be sincere. I'm not a big fan of sort of the wacky novelty sort of hate Christmas kind of vibe. Um, this, the, the contrived songs, the goofy songs, they don't resonate with me at all. I, I don't look for those. I don't collect those. So yeah, it just has to be sincere and meaningful, and and have a have an interesting take, an interesting point of view. If, you, if that, that's really, really what I'm looking for, is a point of view, a, a song that is unique and, and takes a different spin towards expressing all the emotions and, and, and contradictions and, and, and passions and disappointments that, that the holiday brings for so many people. What does the future of Christmas music look like to you? What do you think will, oh. how do you think it'll evolve next? Well, every year I'm, I'm amazed how much music, Christmas music, original Christmas music, really unique takes on the holiday are being released. It just every year it gets, <laughs> it's overwhelming. Um, there's a couple of other folks who, who do this, collect Christmas music and share their, their finds. And we all, are, you know, we're on, we're on social media, so we're, they're constantly posting about new songs they've found. And every single year, there's there's too much great stuff. Who were you most surprised to learn was also a big fan of Christmas music? Oh, that's easy. John Waters. I mean, and, I, and when I found out about about that, and I found out about it because he he released a, his own um, his own compilation of fabulous, unique Christmas songs that he loved from years of his own venture into Christmas collecting, and it was a fantastic um, compilation and. Within it were a few artists that I'd never heard of before, so that made me really excited to meet him and to talk with him. He, he of course, had a great passion for this and a great take on the, on the holiday experience and why the music matters to him as well. So, so that he was the biggest surprise, for sure. And then, last question, and I feel compelled to ask this. 
Um, <laughs> how? What, what's your elevator pitch for the cynics and critics out there that do not like Christmas music? Basically, I describe the, the film as a search for the soul of Christmas music. So it's not about the classic chestnuts that we've all heard way too many times every year. It's a much deeper experience that, that, that each of us are after, and which I hope I captured in the movie. Searching for the soul of Christmas music was, was what I sort of latched onto because... We're, what we're trying to do is sort of redefine the holiday through musical gems that we find. That was 1A producer Barb Anguiano's conversation with Mitchell Kezin. Mitchell is an avid Christmas music collector and the filmmaker behind the documentary Jingle Bell Rocks. Coming up, we take a closer look at what makes the cut when it comes to Christmas music and how Christmas songs become classics. I'm Jen White. This is 1A from WAMU and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor, ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com AI for people. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. We're discussing all things Christmas music, the hits, the misses, and all the in-between. Here's a message we got from Lloyd in Miami. When it comes to Christmas music, I love Christmas hymns. As a child, however, I detested commercialized Christmas music. My mom would blare it so loud throughout the holidays that it would drive me bananas. As an adult, however, I learned 
that because of her rough childhood, she played the Christmas music to boost her spirits so that she wouldn't show us how hard it was for her. She's gone now, but knowing what I know now, I have grown an appreciation for some Christmas music. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dream. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, is music journalist Annie Zaleski. She's the author of This is Christmas, Song by Song, the stories behind 100 holiday hits. Annie, welcome to 1A. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. And joining us from WBOI Public Radio in Fort Wayne, Indiana, is Rob Martinez. Rob is a volunteer at WBOI, where he hosts The Nights Before Christmas. It's a yearly Christmas music show. This year's show will be available to stations across the country. Rob, thank you all for being here. Season's greetings from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, let's listen to this clip from the documentary Jingle Bell Rocks. The worst music in the world is bad Christmas music. Because it's insincere, it's just out to make a buck, It's and it sounds like it. And there's tons of it. That's Canadian radio host David Wisdom. I want to hear from both of you what you think makes a great Christmas song. Annie? You know, so I think first, clever lyrics. You know, you don't have a lot of time to work with with Christmas songs, so you really have to pack a lot in. And I think a great hook. You know, when you think of all the great Christmas songs, these are the memorable hooks that just kind of stick in your ear like earworms over and over again. Rob, what about for you? I think it has to do with with the memories that you have with the song. I mean, you, you could be in a certain place and a certain time with certain people, and you hear a song, and that becomes forever linked. And that's why a lot of Christmas music, you know, gets shunned, it gets you know, ignored. But there's always one song that connects with everybody, and that's that's what my mission is: is basically trying to help people to rediscover those Christmas songs. Well, this month, singer Brenda Lee made headlines with her song, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, claimed the number one spot on the Billboard chart. Now, this song is 65 years old. Lee recorded it when she was 13 years old. And here she is talking to NPR's Scott Detrow about the song. Well, I remember that my great producer, Owen Bradley, he had the air conditioning turned to zero because we recorded it, of course, in the summer. And he had a Christmas tree up, and and we just had a great time doing it. You know, good songs are easy to do. And I think we did that one maybe in one rehearsal and one take. Annie, you recently interviewed Brenda Lee. What else does she say about that song and, and how closely it's connected to her? Yeah, you know, she basically, she also told me just how wonderful Owen Bradley was finding the right songs for her and just how it's a song that still brings her joy. It's a song that, you know, she never gets tired of hearing and it's just something she's so proud to be associated with and understandable. I mean, it's a great song and, you know, it's 65 years old, but it sounds, you know, she said it's as fresh as the day she cut it and I couldn't agree more. What do you think it is about this song that makes it stand out? You know, I think it's it's so festive and it's upbeat. I mean, you have the instrumentation from some of Nashville's finest players. And, you know, at the end of the year, everyone is tired. Everyone is just looking for a little bit of joy, a little bit of exuberance to kind of get them through the holiday season. And I think that that really captures it. Do you think there are specific elements it shares with other Christmas songs that are 
considered classics? You know, I think the, the the guitar licks, you know, that are just really prominent. It was one of the kind of the first rock and roll Christmas songs. And those are really just, they're really upbeat. You know, they're almost like kind of, you know, uh, you know, very buoyant. And the saxophone too, you know, it's just very, it's very festive. You feel like you're going to a party. Let's go to this email we got from one of you. What songs do Gen X, millennials, and the current generation have? Is there anything new breaking through in the age of social media? Rob, what do you think? Oh, there's always new music out there. Uh, the big question is, will corporate radio play it? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it's just they they have the same pro, uh, playlists every year, and it's hard for new music to get through. I mean, that's the beauty of Brenda Lee becoming, you know, a, the third per, the third artist to have a number one hit with her song. But uh, yeah, I still say her best Christmas song is from 1964. It's Christmas is Just Another Lonely Day. You listen to that song, and it sounds like she is with Phil Spector and and that wonderful wall of sound. It's a great, great tune. But again, there's always room at the table every Christmas for new Christmas music. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there by a lot of bands, a lot of millennials um, who are who are playing this stuff. And sadly, we don't hear it every year. Mm. Well, I'm I'm a Gen Xer, and I will say that I think when the Preacher's Wife soundtrack came out, we heard a little bit of it at the beginning of the program. Um, Whitney Houston singing. Um, some familiar songs and also some new ones. I think that I claim that <laughs> as, sure. as sort of new, new Gen X music. I, I think it's it's safe to say that. Now there are a couple of artists that also make Christmas related headlines this year. Cher released a Christmas album, and Mariah Carey, of course, launched her Merry Christmas One and All tour earlier this year. Here she is talking about her love of Christmas music with Nightline. That was my goal was to do something timeless that didn't feel like the '90s, which is when I wrote it. Why do you think this has such an enduring appeal? I think it's because I really, truly love the holidays. Like, it's it's not fake. Of course, Mariah is a huge name when it comes to Christmas music. Her song, All I Want for Christmas is You, will celebrate its 30th anniversary next year. And this week, it bumped Brenda Lee's song off the number one spot. And for the last couple of years, Mariah Carey has taken to social media and declared November 1st the start of hashtag Mariah's season. She really leans into the earlier radio play her song gets. Annie, how did Mariah's song become this, this phenomenon we know today? You know, I think it's just over time, and I think part of it is a kind of what she was talking about. She loves Christmas so much, you can't help love Christmas too. Her love of music, is Christmas, is so infectious. And so I think that's part of it, is that, you know, when, when she sings that song, you know that she means it. You know that she is just so excited, just like you are. And I think, you know, the, the savvy social media and marketing about it, you know, she's really leaned into, you know, loving Christmas from everything from tours to a book to movie, you know, she's really packaged herself is like, yeah, when it's Christmas time, it's Mariah time. And, you know, I think it's just very, very smart at what she's done. Rob, you host a radio show called The Nights Before Christmas at WBOI Public Radio. How do you prepare for your Christmas shows? Oh, uh, well, I sit in a lonely room and I I pull out stuff from my collection of over 3,000 albums and over 50,000 songs. And I try to play stuff on the radio that you don't hear anywhere else. Um, Mariah Carey, I love her song. It's played five, six times an hour in some places. You know, again, there's room for other stuff. And that's what my show, The Nights Before Christmas, tries to do. We've been on the air here at WBOI for 13 years. Um, we have one more show coming up on Saturday. Um, we, I, I try to find the stuff that was, you know, 
that that just falls off the table. That that has become my mission in life is is to find this Christmas music that was recorded in January in July and released at right around Thanksgiving and has a three week window to make it or break it. A lot of it never gets played. A lot of it is forgotten shortly thereafter, and that's what I'm trying to do: keep this music alive. I mean, I don't want Christmas music to become white noise. I want it to be re- remain relevant in people's lives, and, and that, that's what I try to do with my radio show. Why is that important for you, Rob? Because Christmas is a wonderful time of the year, and um, like Stan Freeberg said many, many years ago, you know, whose birthday are we celebrating? I mean, this is a wonderful time, and you know, a lot of people just hear the music, and it's like, okay, there it is again, there it is again. Well, and I think that, there, again, there, there's one song that's locked in everybody. That has a, 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 um, a meaning, a significance. It's a song that relates to a better time in their lives. And it's buried under layers of cynicism and everything else. But if I can reach out there and find it, you know, great. I had someone who uh, contacted me on my radio show. Can you play this song called Na- uh, Navidad by Russ Carlyle? Um, back in the day, they used to play it on Fort Wayne Radio here all the time. Well, I was able to find a 45. I put it on the air. And it's a wonderful little song. And apparently they played it all the time in Fort Wayne Radio in the 60s and 70s. I never heard this song before. And it's a fantastic song. And it, it, it's just like, so there, I'm trying to keep that going for a lot of people. And, you know, yeah, it's, my, it's my mission in life now. Mm. It really is. Annie, I mean, I think for some people, Christmas is less of a religious holiday and more of a secular one. How do you make the case for Christmas music for people who, who don't feel as much religious attachment to it? You know, it's it's a really good question because, you know, in, in my the book that I wrote was it ended up being mostly secular music, which is really interesting. You know, I think how I make the argument is that there's still so much emotion and depth to Christmas music. You know, I think we all know the upbeat stuff like we just talked about, but there's so many Christmas songs that are about longing. There's so many Christmas songs that are about missing someone. You know, a lot of Christmas songs were written on the backdrop of a very you know, fraught time, you know, World War II, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I think a lot of people don't know. And those are universal emotions. You know, those are things that, you know, that we feel. And, you know, sometimes every Christmas we're not happy. We're not upbeat. And so it really kind of, it's comforting to, to have these songs that sort of understand us and say, hey, you know what? It's okay if you're not feeling like eggnog this year. It's okay if you want to just hang out and be at home. Waitress's Christmas wrapping, you know, a classic example of that. So, I think it taps into the human condition, honestly. And I think that's why we also love Christmas music so much, is that it just really it just really touches your heart. Let's go to this clip from the documentary Jingle Bell Rocks. This is music journalist Bill Adler on Christmas music as a tradition. You know, not to get negative about it, but I think that um, Christmas for most folks uh, is about tradition. People like what's familiar over and over again. It spells Christmas to them. So, you know, that record you know, means the same thing to you as, I don't know, a Christmas fruitcake or something. It's a kind of food you wouldn't eat any other time of year, but if they put it in front of you at Christmas, you're going to eat it, and you're going to say, wow, my mom used to make something like this. Hey, Rob, what's the response been to your yearly Christmas show? It's been wonderful. Uh, We've had people listening in from Canada, uh, Norway, Sweden, as far away as China, and we had one person reach out to us from Vietnam. He says, I used to live in Fort Wayne. This is like home to me, Rob. Thank you so much. And it's it's just amazing how the internet has changed and how Christmas music has evolved. Uh, you mentioned Mariah Carey earlier um, about her song. It's the most downloaded Christmas song of all time. And it, it's just, 
the 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 radio show really resonates with people and they love it and it's it's wonderful because we we have a little community out there that joins us every year they listen to the show they love it and it motivates me to go out and find new stuff as a christmas music collector to 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 showcase i mean i found a song earlier this year called um i'm going to do my christmas shopping early and it was distributed by brown foreman distilleries they're a liquor company they gave this 78 out to liquor salesmen and liquor uh, uh, store owners as a promo. Nobody knows about this record. And I played it on my air and people are like going, what is that? It's fantastic. That belongs in a John Waters movie. We need to have that record. So that's my, that's what I do. And again, if I can connect one Christmas song with, with one person, you know, that's what Christmas is all about. I mean, it really is. I mean, but Annie, as you said, if you look at, I mean, gosh, Rob, you said you have 50,000 songs to choose from. When you look at the the depth and breadth of Christmas music, is it is it fair to say that you can see a bit of maybe a historical record of how Americans were feeling at, at different times in the country's history? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that was one of the most delightful things I sort of discovered when, you know, I put together a list of chronological songs is that, you know, in, in the 1940s, obviously, with Bing Crosby and things like that, he had massive hits during World War II. And there was so much longing and sadness because so many families were separated due to the war. And over time, you can kind of see, you know, when rock and roll starts creeping into Christmas music and things get a little bit more like with Chuck Berry and Bobby Helms and things get a little more upbeat. You know, the Beatles had all of these really... Um, um, very playful Christmas seven inches for their fan club. And then after the Beatles came in and popular music, everything exploded genre-wise. And so did Christmas music. You know, the 1970s, you had everything from punk to glam to R&B to soul to hip-hop. It was amazing. And then going forward, it's the same thing. You know, in the 1980s, the, the age of the superstars, every superstar had a Christmas song. And then moving on to the 90s on forward, you know, it's at pop music and, you know, and all sorts of rock music, you know, heavy metal even. So it's it's really, really striking that, you know, Christmas music, you can really view social, political and musical lens, you know, through Christmas music. Well, that echoes this email we got from Liz in Maryland, who says, my favorite non-religious Christmas song is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It was written during World War II and captures the mixed feelings of hope and sadness when you're separated from loved ones during the holidays. We also got this message from Bonnie in Northeast Ohio, who says, I do enjoy Christmas songs in the entire season. I'm Jewish, but I don't like stations that play 100% Christmas songs starting at Halloween or Thanksgiving through New Year's. Oi. And David in Detroit emails, I'm a big fan of Christmas music, and I always bring out the stack of CDs every Christmas, always collecting more. Annie, is this is this a U.S.-specific <laughs> practice to, to break out the Christmas music? as early as possible and just play it nonstop? You know, I think part of that is because, yes, the Christmas, the stations, yeah, people people are, you know, get raring to go right after Halloween. But places like the UK, Christmas music is like a game. You know, every year they have the whole race to have the Christmas number one, the UK number one single. It's a huge thing. It's like, you know, they, the news watches it like it's a sporting event. Um, this year, Wham's Last Christmas has been number one quite a bit. And so, yeah, different countries definitely have that side of fanaticism, but it's a different kind of flavor. Mm. You know, they take a little bit of a different... Different uh, take on it. 
We got this email from one of you. The one that means the most to me is This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. No, those other versions will not do. It must be the original with all the exuberance and joy that Christmas can be. It's not Christmas until I hear it. Well, it's also one of my favorites, and we're listening to it now. We'll be back in just a moment. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. Now back to all things Christmas music with these messages from some of you. I really like the song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, and I don't really know why. My favorite Christmas song is Merry Christmas Baby by Charles Brown. Uh, My favorite Christmas song ever is Gating from the um, Charlie Brown Christmas special. Asking me to choose my favorite Christmas tune is like asking me to pick my favorite food. Thanks for those messages. As we talk about how Christmas songs become part of our yearly rotation, we can't forget to mention songs people desperately want to stop hearing. One of you writes, one song I really dislike is the Christmas shoe song. I do not feel like being manipulated, and it just seems too deliberate to me. As a non-believer, religious songs are everywhere this time of year, so I find it hard to believe anyone feels there is or ever was a war on Christmas. Well, I've got to ask both of you what song you never want to hear again, Rob. In 1983, there was a regional hit out west and out south that was selling really, really well. And suddenly Epic Records decided, well, let's release this nationally. It sold three million copies and became a a staple of Christmas music. And that song is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Mm -hmm. Elmo and Patsy. That song was actually one of the sparks that said to the Christmas music industry, hey, we can make music at Christmas time by releasing Christmas music, you know? So that song was way overplayed during my upbringing, and it still gets airtime this year, and it's it's one that, that I would just like to have go away. Okay. Andy, what about you? You know, I have to say it's the Christmas shoes. You know, there, there's a good reason why that song did not make the cut of my book because it's just too, it's just too uh, syrupy and just too, ugh, you know, I don't know. It just makes my teeth hurt. And so, yeah, not a fan. 
We heard from Sherry in New Hampshire who writes, In my opinion and that of my friends, Wham's Last Christmas has got to go. It's whiny and has nothing to do with the spirit of the season. I want to throw things at the radio whenever it comes on. Well, it's sort of a backlash against some of the most popular Christmas songs like Wham's Last Christmas. Games like Whamageddon have become part of the Christmas tradition for some. The objective of the game being to go the longest time possible without recognizing Last Christmas, which we are going to, um, sorry, make you play right now. Annie, what is it about certain songs that make people's teeth hurt, as you said? You know, and I I will first say that I love Wham's Last Christmas, so I could bring it on all the time. Um, You know, I think it's just the the repetition. And because during the Christmas season, as we talked about, there are certain songs that get played over and over and over again. And so people are just like, can we have something new? You know, they're just tired of hearing it. You know, I think some people just have a very specific um, view of what kind of Christmas music they love. You know, so I mean, Last Christmas is kind of a sad song. It's kind of, you know, a down in the dumps type of song. And, you know, I happen to like that, you know, that kind of Christmas music. A lot of people don't. They just want more happier songs or they want songs with more of a religious bent. So maybe it's not the type of music they like. And so and I understand that. You know, I I get that. Rob, for people who listen to your program, do they tend to ask you not to play a certain type of music? They are very open to everything that I play. Um, I don't play, as a rule on my show, uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Mannheim Steamroller, and and and, and groups of that nature. But um, to mention last Christmas, um, I got my first proper kiss under the mistletoe to that song back in 1984. Oh. So I love that song, and that's what I associate with it. I mean, it, so if I hear it on the air, hey, there I am under the mistletoe again. See, that's what Christmas music does for me, and I, I hope it does for a lot of people, but to each their own. Well, part of the reason you collect holiday music is for your show, but you also send out mixtapes each year during the holidays. Here's the Chicago Tribune's Greg Cott and music collector Andy Sursan talking about annual Christmas music exchanges in that 2013 documentary, Jingle Bell Rocks. There is a underground of uh, tape traders and CD traders across the country who do this, try to make cool Christmas discs every year. The only thing more fun than collecting all the stuff is getting to share it, and I appreciate the opportunity to do it. Rob, when did you first discover that there were other people who also like to collect Christmas music? In 2001, um, but to preface that, in 1985, I was at my house in Linwood, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, listening to WBEZ and other Christmas radio at the time. And back then, there was no Christmas radio playing 24-7. There was no dedicated Christmas radio stations. If a DJ decided to play a Christmas song, that's when he would, that's when you hear Christmas music. And so that's how I started collecting it. And that's how I started trying to find this stuff. Flash forward to 2001, I'm online on this wonderful new invention called the internet. And I'm trying to find Weird Al Yankovic Christmas greetings. And I meet this friend of mine named Jeff Fox. He's up in Nepean, Ontario, Canada. He says, I have a couple of those. I'll send them to you. And the next thing I know, I'm good friends with him. We're swapping Christmas CDs every every December. And through him, I met other people like Andy Surzon, who's a good friend. He sends me his Christmas mix every year. I send him one of mine. And there is a beautiful community of Christmas music collectors. I can take the rest of the time on this radio show naming them all. 
but they're all wonderful and they all share. They're very generous with their, with their spirit and everything. And they have opened a brand new world of Christmas music, not only to me, but to my radio listeners. And I'm so grateful to all of them uh, every year because they show up for my radio shows and they, they support me and everything. And I'm kind of a small symbol. I'm, I'm, I'm representing them and I'm very proud to represent them. I'm very proud to represent WBOI and I'm very proud to represent Fort Wayne, Indiana. And as you're curating your yearly um, mixtape, if you will, of Christmas music, are you approaching it through sort of a thematic lens or is it just what you're loving that year? It's stuff that I've collected throughout the year. It's music that I I'm scanning on my computer every year. It's like, oh, there's a good one for the with the CD, and there's a good one for the CD, and it might be one that I heard off someone else's Christmas comp that they sent me. But ninety percent of all the stuff that's on my annual Christmas CD never gets on my radio show because mm-hmm. I dedicate myself to make that CD the best CD I can every single year, and I share it with family and friends and colleagues, and that's my Christmas gift to them. My Christmas gift here at the radio station is putting on the radio show and and dedicating my uh, my several weeks at a time devote uh, creating and 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 finding new music and, and introducing it to people and it's a wonderful feeling knowing that people gather around the radio and listen like they used to back in the old days and they listen to my little radio show and they find something new that they love hate wince you know it's it, it, it's all that it's all wrapped up into one so i'm very very grateful for that let's head back to our inbox my favorite Christmas song has always been The Little Drummer Boy. My favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night, sung by Mahalia Jackson. The greatest Christmas song is Natalie Cole's version of Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle. You must hear it. It's wonderful. Thanks for those messages. Annie, as you were researching your book, how how did you land on the 100 songs you wanted to highlight? It was not easy. You know, I mean, first and foremost, I started off with, you know, the must-haves, the must-includes, you know, looking at the songs that you hear on the radio that that perennially get airplay, that the old favorites, that, you know, things like, you know, Bing Crosby, Gene Autry, you know, stuff like that. And then from there, I kind of went and looked at to try to get a balance of genres and, and a balance of eras and a balance of artists. You know, I mean, so many artists, you know, you could have had 10 songs from Bing Crosby, for example. But I wanted to make sure I had a, a variety of artists and from the modern era, too. You know, you have people like Pentatonix and Josh Groban and Taylor Swift and Kelly Clarkson who have all really kind of, you know, risen to the top of Christmas music um, rotation in the modern era. So I wanted to really have a good representation of Christmas music. Music through history. And it was not easy. You know, having only 100 songs, you think, oh, you know, that's fine, not a problem. There are some songs I left off that I'm like, oh, no, you know, I need to do a volume two. I have so many more I want to talk about. But it was very, very difficult. There were some very tough cuts. I want to make sure we get to some more of your messages. Jamie in Wisconsin writes, one Christmas song I have to break out every year is Santa Mouse by Burl Ives. Much to the dismay of everyone around me, I sing along with gusto. Laura in Nebraska emails, it's not necessarily my favorite song, but 
but I love playing my made-up game, Who is Singing Santa Baby? Especially when they try to sing it like the original. Little voice inflections and pauses give me hints. I relish the challenge. And Raquel in Illinois writes, even though I'm a young millennial, my favorite Christmas song is You're All I Want for Christmas by Al Martino. I stumbled on it on Spotify by chance, and I love how simple yet beautiful it is. I'm a big fan of classic Christmas music. It makes you feel warm and nostalgic inside. I honestly listen to it even when it's not Christmas time. I would love to hear from each of you. I mean, if you're starting a collection today, for instance, Rob, where would you tell someone to begin? 1987, a very special Christmas album. That's the album that has U2's version of Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. That's the version that has uh, 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 tons of others by other radio stations. That's the ra- that's the Christmas album that changed Christmas music forever. It really introduce the idea of yes you can make a christmas album and you can make you know you can become you know it'll be a staple of radio i mean i was in the river oaks mall in calumet city illinois and i was listening to the music they were playing and all of a sudden the intro to winter wonderland comes on and i'm like who is this singing i don't who they're singing the intro to winter wonderland but it was the eurythmics and it was a thunderbolt out of the sky and that was like wow I have, you know, like when you hear Beethoven's Fifth Symphony for the first time, or if you hear Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time, it was a game changer. So I would recommend anyone to go out and and get that record and then go look for for stuff that you like. I mean, there's so many genres, Hawaiian music, Christmas blues, Christmas disco, Christmas whatever. Find the stuff that you like to hear and and, and search out and and then, you know, come online and, and, and find other people who like it and you'll suddenly have a giant Christmas collection that you will, you know, annoy the neighbors with. <laughs> Annie, what about for you after your research? Where would you tell someone to start? You know, I, I have to say Phil Spector's Christmas album. And, you know, uh, just because of the artists on there, you know, not necessarily him. You have Darlene Love doing Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. You have the Ronettes doing Frosty the Snowman and Sleigh Ride. And it's just such a, a classic uh, musically and then just also with the artists that kind of got introduced and kind of boosted there. And so I would start there. But, you know, what's so uh, interesting is that Christmas music is such a singles uh, game and such a singles market. And so I would almost look for playlists online too, because there's just some amazingly curated playlists uh, of just like different things that you maybe know, you know, you do know, you don't know. And so I would almost start there, you know, it's, it's because it's just, there's so many Christmas songs to discover. And I think that's been the biggest joy as well. Even just listening to what everyone has called in about is that, you know, you think, you know, Christmas music, and there's always like five songs you don't know, or five songs that people will introduce you to. And it's just a joy. I have to ask you each, and it may be a, a difficult question to answer, but your favorite Christmas song, Rob? Well, I said it's on my radio show a couple of days ago. I, I have over 11,000 Christmas favorites, and if I were to play them all, I'd be here to the year 2136. I, 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 you know, you, I, just, I just can't name one off the top of my head. Um, my favorite song of the year so far is one I'll be playing on my uh show saturday night it's going to end the show and it's it's ai generated and that's all i'm going to say about it you'll have to tune in to hear it (laughs) annie what about for you 
You know, I've been asked this, I've been thinking about this a lot this season, and I think at least this season it's Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. Uh, you know, it's it's about someone who has really has had a harried year, very frazzled, just wants to hang out by themselves, but they go to the store because they forgot something and they meet their the person they've been chasing all year. It has a happy ending. I just love it. Just musically as well. It features Mars Williams, um, who sadly passed away uh, a couple months ago. And just musically, lyrically, it, it's just a perfect song. We've been talking to Annie's Zaleski. She's a music journalist and author of This is Christmas, Song by Song, the stories behind 100 holiday hits, and Rob Martinez. Rob is a volunteer at WBOI Public Radio, where he hosts The Nights Before Christmas. It's a yearly Christmas music show. This year's show will be available to stations across the country. Annie, Rob, happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Today's producer was Barb Anguiano, and we're listening to her favorite Christmas song, Bob Dylan's Must Be Santa. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.